0: Today, I want to talk about how to deal with kids, and so for the next 27 seconds, I'm going to tell you everything I know about raising kids, and we're we're going to go home. Raising kids, uh, obviously, when you think about a game, uh, I thought there would be nothing better than to talk about the game of trouble, because raising kids can sometimes be a lot of trouble. Let me just ask the question. How many of you here, how many of you here, maybe you currently do not have kids, but you hope one day in your future, you don't even have to be dating right now, but one day in your future, you would like to have kids. Raise your hand real high. Real high. If you're single, look around. Look around. Find somebody else that has similar goals as you. How many of you guys currently, you have children in your house? Wave your hand. Okay. How many of you guys have grandparents? Or you guys are grandparents. You have grandkids. I'm sorry. You have grandkids. Okay. So here's a funny thing. You know, you think about those three, and obviously most of us either want kids, have kids, or have grandkids. That's mo- almost all of us in this room. It's kind of funny, you know, when you think about having kids, I just want you to know right up front what you're signing up for, because when you're signing up for having kids, I want you to know, once you get it, you're probably going to regret it a little bit, because you're saying goodbye to all your free time, no more sleeping in, no more extra money. It's bye-bye when you have kids. That's right. Woo! That's right. For all of us that have children, this is us, here's, here's what I found out about having children. Having children is doing the best you can and always wondering how bad you're messing your kids up. Woo! And grandparents, I got to give it up to grandparents because grandparents are just seasoned parents that kind of have figured out a lot of the tricks along the way. And they know just how much to spoil a kid and then send them home before they have to discipline them to make it look like they're the best people on the planet. And we just give you the love for that because you figured it out. So here's a couple quotes I found on the the topic of raising kids and having children I thought were kind of insightful. First one here says, uh, everyone is a professional in raising kids until they have some. Right. Woo! Listen, don't, don't allow anybody ever to tell you how to raise your kids if they don't have any, because whatever they say now, I promise you it'll change when they get their own. Here's another one. Raising kids is part joy and part guerrilla warfare. <laughs> a toddler is kind of like having a blender, but you don't have a lid for it. This is, uh, this is probably one of my favorites. Action in the bedroom is redefined as chasing a naked toddler while juggling a diaper, a sippy cup, and jammies. And I think this is the most important one. If you're here and you want to have kids or you have kids or you have grandkids, you're going to want to pay attention because the reason you want to get parenting right is because they're the ones that's going to pick your retirement home. Woo! So today, I just want to kind of dive in. I want to tackle some of these things. And I just want to help us, again, I'm not going to tell you all there is to know about uh, raising children. I don't know all there is to know. Part of what I know is probably not complete, but I want to give you some things that that I've learned along the way. I want to give you some things that I believe scripture gives us, again, to help us to understand and navigate the complexities of parenting, because it can be very challenging. It can be very hair-pulling to kind of get through, but man, I just believe that children are, what the Bible says, man, they're they're a blessing from the Lord. They're a heritage from the Lord, and so what I want to do is just jump into a section of Scripture. We're going to look at a section in the life of Jesus right on the front end. Now, let me just say this. If you have a Catholic background, uh, I know we have some people that have, have, are Catholics or have been Catholic. It's kind of funny because right here in the beginning, uh, Blessed Mother Mary kind of makes a mistake in child-rearing. And so I love it because, uh, like, all of us are imperfect. None of us get it right. In fact, all of us in this room, if you have children, you've had this happen before. Anybody here, you've been in a store... Or you've been in the mall or you've been like at a circus, you've been at a large event and right one minute your child is right next to you and the next minute they're gone. And like all of a sudden you just like you panic. Like where's where's my kid? Oh my gosh, have you seen my kid? And like we go from like zero to 100 miles an hour like that because our kid is gone and we automatically assume the worst and like they were right here and now they're gone. And when we finally find them, we're so glad that they're okay, we beat them. And we beat them in syllable. Where have you been? You know, right, we're so glad. And here's the thing. And this is so important here on the front end. That when it comes to parenting, we have to understand that children have the easy capacity of getting lost. Not necessarily in a mall. Not necessarily in a circus. Or not necessarily in a store. But in life. That children can very easily get lost. And it's always on the parent to find the children. Not the children to find the parent. Like, we don't just sit back and hope they come to us. We just don't sit back and hope they find us. We put it upon ourselves as parents to go seek them out, to go find them wherever they are. And so, with that in mind, I want to look at this story of Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. Well, Jesus is actually 12 at this point. Um, At the section of Scripture we're going to look at, once a year, we talked about this in communion, once a year, the entire nation of Israel would gather to the city of Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And so everybody would go. It was a huge family reunion event. Everybody had like their T-shirts saying what family they were from. and like, So they're all wearing the Christ family. Okay, that wasn't his last name. But, you know, they're all rolling in from Nazareth. They all go to Jerusalem. They celebrate the meal together. And now cousins, aunts, uncles, they're all walking back, headed back to Nazareth. And here's where the story picks up. Check it out. Luke chapter 2. It says, after the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, and his parents didn't miss him at first. So get the picture. They're walking now. They're they're probably several days into the journey. All of a sudden, they look, and Jesus is gone. And they they had no idea. Jesus had stayed back, but they had no idea that he had stayed back. They had no idea he wasn't there. Which, real quick, a point is that your child can be lost, and you not know it. And when I say lost, I mean that there are secrets that every kid has. Your kid has fears and anxieties, things that discourage them, maybe they're being bullied at school, they have insecurities, every single child is lost in some way or another. And I want you to know that even though they're lost, they may be lost, and we don't know it. And so part of our parenting responsibility is to make sure that we don't wait for them to find us, but we go look for them. Keep rolling in the story. It says, because, watch this, because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, watch this, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. So, like, they're going around from, like, 10 to 10. Hey, have you seen seen Jesus? And, like, they're hanging up flyers. They're passing out little milk cartons with a picture of Jesus. Like, has anybody seen Jesus? And this word, started looking, is a word with, like, a lot of anxiety and a lot of passion. Like, they wanted to find Jesus. Keep going. And when they couldn't find him among their friends and family, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Last verse. Watch this. It says, three days later. Come on, y'all read that. How many days? Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. So they finally found Jesus. But here's the thing. They did not stop looking until they found him. They didn't say, you know what, we've looked long enough and, you know, he should have just stayed with us. They looked as long as was necessary to find Jesus. Which means every one of us in this room that we have children, no matter how strained that relationship is, no matter how difficult that relationship is, as a parent, it is our responsibility to keep looking, keep searching, keep going after, keep pursuing our kids until we have them. Never give up on your kids. Come on, y'all, never give up on your kids. If they're teenagers and you're done, never give up on your kids. If you're in a difficult season and they're not listening to you, never give up on your kids. In all the years that I've been alive on planet Earth, I've had friends with parents, I've had parents pastored churches with families, and I've seen the inside and out of a lot of families. And here's what I have found, and sometimes this has been true about me as well, is that oftentimes parents put a very high expectation on their children, but a very low expectation on themselves as parents. Let me say that again. Put a very high expectation on their children. Like, hey, I expect you to do this. You better get this right. You better clean your room. Blah, And like, we put, this, we put all this weight on our children. And then we hang back and just hope it happens. And we're there to strike if it doesn't. And I want you to know that the onus of Scripture, the responsibility of Scripture isn't on the kids, the responsibility of scripture on how well our kids are doing is on us as parents. In fact, here's what the Bible says. Listen this in the Old Testament, Proverbs says this. Read it with me. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So it's not, hey, listen, kids, get your life in order and like eat your green beans and get in bed in time, and you better be the right, you better be the right kid. No, God looks at parents. God looks at us as the moms and the dads and says, hey, it's it's your job, it's your responsibility to train up your child, to give them direction, to give them purpose, and when they get old, they'll not depart from it. Everybody shout it. I want to talk today about the it. And I just want to tell you this on the front end, we're going to get to what the it is, but here's what I want you to know, that the it, you get it with purpose. It's, It's with intentionality. You don't have an it on accident. You don't get the it just stumbling upon it. If your kid is going to have the it, it's going to take us, it's going to take me, it's going to take you parenting on purpose. It's going to take us leading our families with intentionality. And if we'll do that well, we can have the family God wants us to have. So, So let me just give you kind of a brief, real simple outline of maybe what parenting looks like through the different stages of life. And you're here and maybe you have kids and maybe give you an idea of what maybe to look for now and maybe what to look for in the next stage. Here's just kind of a simple pattern of what parenting should look like through the ages of our children. Here's what what it looks like. If you have children that are age one to five, this is the season of discipline. This is when you tell your child no the most. No, no, you can't, you know, no, you can't be selfish. No, you can't stick the knife in the light socket. No, you like it's all, it's a bunch of no's. No, 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 no. Most of the parenting element, ages one, one to five, is kind, it's a lot of no's. However, when you get to five to 12, that's the training time. The training time is directive parenting. You just can't tell your kid no anymore. You gotta tell him why no. You gotta tell him what you expect and why you expect it, why it makes sense. You gotta tell him your hopes and you gotta kind of set those boundaries, like here's what I want. And I'm just gonna tell you this, if you're telling your kid no here and here, you're in trouble because the no comes here. The explanation of why it comes here. And here's the big one. And here's probably where I struggle sometimes the most is ages 12 to 18. That's the time in your life as a parent that you should be coaching your, coaching your kids. Like you're not there to dictate their every move. You're not there to like, there's a term right now called helicopter parenting. Has anybody heard of that before? You want to destroy your kid the most, you want to mess up his future, helicopter parent. That means you hover over them, you babysit their every move, and you cannot be successful that way because, and we all know this, when you get like 13 years old, like you want to find out like if, like everybody's trying to spread their wings, kids are trying to figure out life, and we need to give them room to put into application what we've told them no about and why we've told them no, they need to learn and practice out, which means when they're age 12 to 18, our goal is to coach them, which means we're just there to kind of help tweak them. We're there to, to encourage them. And the goal is if we do this right, this is, this is so good. This is one of my goals as a parent, that if I'll do the one to 18 right, that at once, they, once they get 18, I can be a friend with them. Here's how i this is how I'm gonna measure success for my parenting. If my kids still want to come home and hang out with me and my wife after they're 18, that's a win. If your kids don't want to hang out with you after they turn 18, you did something wrong. If they can't wait, like, I can't wait to get away from... Now, they might say that when they're 15. It's okay. They say lots of stuff they don't mean when they're 15. But if they get 18 and they can't stand you, and you got another kid, like now's the time to reevaluate how you're parenting. Because the goal is, once you've parented them well, the goal is once they become 18, then you become friend, not before. Our goal is not to be their friend. Our goal is to be their parent. So here's what I want to tell you, guys. In our society, it's so easy to look at so many other things, and we feel the pressure of this world to give to our kids one of two things, either the stuff we feel like our parents didn't give us or we feel like we got to give our kids everything their friends are getting, Right? Like, we got to buy them the new, we got to buy them the best, and we got to get them the best clothes. And, you know, like, we feel this pressure to measure up. We got to get them the nicest car, and we got to get them in the best schools. And we got to make sure that they're in gymnastics, and they're in soccer, and they're in travel ball. And we feel this pressure. And I just want you to know something that this culture wants us to drive our parenting based on the stuff we give them and the experiences they have. And your goal as a parent is not to be their activities coordinator, it's not to be their banker, it's not to be their buddy, but our goal is to be their parent. Right. Which means this, you may not be able to give your child everything they want, but you can give them everything they need. If you're a single parent, you can give your child everything they need. If you're poor, you can give your child everything, they, maybe not everything they want, But you can give your child, no matter where you are, no matter what your background is, you can give your child everything that they need. And so for a few minutes, I want to tell you what some of those things are. But, like I'm looking through scripture and I'm trying to find like a great example of a father. Like, let's look at this guy. And I've been saying this through this series. There are not a lot of really great examples in scripture families. There's just not. In fact, you find so much conflict in families, you find broken families, you find divorced families throughout Scripture. But I pulled back and I thought, there is one example in Scripture that we can all take a cue from, and it is our Heavenly Father. <coughs> do you know that God, He is, and He has set Himself up, that ultimately, we just don't have a God up there somewhere? But do you know that God has made Himself known to us as our Heavenly Father? Father that he's our daddy that we're in relationship with him and his goal is to help us grow up in our faith And so as we look at god in fact, you find this this same model throughout scripture Between the old testament and the new testament the old covenant and the new covenant The old covenant is a covenant. It's a contract between god and his people the nation of israel The new testament is a covenant between god and his people the church and all the way through, you find in the Old Testament that God makes himself known as a father. And throughout the Bible, he's, call, he's talking to his people and he keeps calling them the children of Israel. Like, these are my children, these are my children. Then you get in the New Testament and you know what we're called, right? People of faith, like he's called our heavenly father and we're called children of God. And so when you look at God, this is so big, watch this. When you try to find a great example of a father, God is it. In fact, God is such an exemplary example of being a father that when compared to even the best earthly father, they're evil compared to him. So we're going to take some cues from God on on how to father, how to parent, how to look at this thing. And ultimately, I want to say this, that our primary goal, this is it. Your primary role as a parent is to pass the baton to the next generation. That's your primary role, is to take what you've learned, to take kind of the secret sauce, to take your successes, to take your wisdom, To take the things, and and not the bad, but how you've learned from it, and make sure you pass success on to the next generation. Because our highest goal is to make sure that our children are successful adults. And so, here's here's what the Bible says. Again, here's what our father says to us as children in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Check this out. Read it with me. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations I know those are a lot of big words that we don't like, but God's saying, hey, listen, I've got parameters for you. I've got boundaries for you. That the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land that you're about to enter and occupy. Keep going. He says, and you and your children, come on, say this, you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy long life. Let me just ask the question. If you're here and you currently have kids, how many of you want your kids to enjoy a long life? Wave at me. So God's saying, hey, I'm I'm about to give you, I'm giving you like the, the secret sauce. I'm giving you the formula. And it's again, not just, not just for us as adults, but for our kids and for our grandkids that we pass on. God's passed the baton to us. We pass it to the next generation. He says, and if you'll do it, if you'll pass the baton properly, they will enjoy a long life. Keep going. Watch this. I love this. Watch. He says, and you must commit yourselves to these things wholeheartedly. So, so you, you can't kind of give it a, a second best effort. You've got to give it your best effort to these commands that I'm giving you today. Next verse. And I love it right here. Anybody ever here feel like you've talked to your kids so you're blue in the face? I told you a million times. You know, God feels the same way towards us. Watch this. And repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. God says, listen, in order for kids to get it, they got to hear it a thousand times. Never get tired of parenting your kids through communicating with them over and over and over. There was never a time when I walked into a store. I'm just telling you, my, one of the things that I, like going through this, my parents taught me a lot, told me a lot. I cannot tell you how many hundreds of times I was told, don't touch anything. You go in someone's house, don't touch anything. Just sit down. Don't, don't touch anything. Don't, and if you like, you pull up in front of someone's house, even though I would heard that a hundred times, and listen, we're getting ready to go in here. I want to make sure you don't touch anything. And you go into a grocery store. And you know what they would say? Don't touch anything. My goodness, can I touch the floor? What am I allowed to touch? But you know what? Every time, over and over and over, respect your elders. I heard that over and over. Respect your elders, respect your elders, respect your elders. So I want you to know, God is blue in the face at telling us over and over and over again, but he knows as children, sometimes we're slow learners, so we shouldn't get frustrated at repeating ourselves. We need to understand that repetition is part of the secret sauce of parenting well. And so I'm going to give you four things real quick. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. That This is how we pass the baton. This is, this is how we make it happen. This is, this is how we raise our kids well. This is, this is how we take the complexities and we break it down to some basics. Number one thing, that it's your number one responsibility as a parent. Number one is to develop a relationship. Everybody shout relationship. Relationship. Your kids need relationship the number one thing every child needs is to know that they're loved. They gotta know that they're loved. So you gotta make sure that you're developing a relationship with them. And there's, there's really a reason, and, and here's why. Because information is translated best in the context of relationship. If you wanna tell your kids something, listen to me, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Listen to me, I'm just telling you, this is, this is true for all of us. This is true for all of us. That, that we don't really honor rules as much as we honor people. And if you have a people, if you honor a person, like you just kind of will follow the rules. But if you don't respect somebody, you don't care about the rules. And I, this, is, this is so important. I'm going to tell you this, and I didn't tell the first service this. This is true for all parents, but if you're a step-parent, you need to pay attention to this right here. Because I have found it's very difficult to be a step-parent and have new step-kids and trying to navigate those boundaries and what it looks like. And a lot of times, especially stepdads, they feel like they got to move into this new home and they got to lay the law down. Everybody needs to know that I'm in charge. And I'm just telling you that if you move into a house, you move into a home, you move into a family, and you try to push rules outside of relationship, you will always have rebellion. That the best way we communicate to our kids, the best way we pass on the regulations and the decrees and the commands is that we do it through relationship right? God, the reason we're we're interested in what God has to say, even though we don't always like what he has to say, the reason we're interested is because he loves us. And he's made his love known to us by the cross of Calvary, which his relationship with us is what opens us up to his truth. And so we got to make sure, guys, listen to this, we got to make sure that we're building relationship. And it's never too late to start. Well, how how do we do it? How How do we build relationship? Here's some things you can do. Uh, we talked about this. Excess is best. Everybody say that. Excess is best. Come on, say that. Excess is best. I'm just telling you, you need to love your kids physically, verbally, emotionally, and you need to do it overboard. Like you need to be, here's the thing. All the parents, especially when they're like they're nine to 13, your, your kids are going to hate that you're this way. Their friends are going to make fun of you this way. But secretly, they're going to say, I wish my parent was like that. You need to give excess touch to your kids. You need to look for every opportunity to hug them, to hold them, to get a hold. Like, you need to kiss on, you need to slobber on them, I'm telling you, all day long. My son's not in here, so I can say this. My son's 12 years old. He still kisses me goodnight, and I'm all good with it. He can kiss me goodnight until he's 25. (laughs) Not 25, because I'm going to kick him out before then, but until he's 18, if he wants to. But whether he kisses me goodnight, I'm telling you, all my kids, I try to find them and I try to hug them. I try to get beside them because I want them to know that they're valuable to me. I want to build. I want to develop that relationship. And I just can't hug them enough. I can't kiss them enough. Come on. Are you all hearing me? But well, they don't want me to hug them. I'm, my oldest daughter, she's not a touchy-feely person, but she's getting a hug whether she wants one or not. And I got to fight through her wailing and pushing. And, but when I get up in there, she don't fight no more. Because everybody wants a hug. And I'm just telling you, church, listen to what I'm telling you. You have to, in parenting, in order to make parenting possible, the foundation of successful parenting is relationship. And you build relationship through excess touch, through being physical with your kids. You do it with the words that you speak. Think about every relationship you've ever had. How many people here is next to somebody that they love, like you married to your spouse and you're all in love with them? Wave at me, wave at me. Like you went from not knowing them, how you got from where you were to where you are is you got there by touch. Anybody here remember the first time you held hands? Like you're sitting in a movie theater or you're sitting like you just kind of accidentally bump hands just to see if they're going to bump you back. And if they do, you latch on. Then you're on like Donkey Kong. In the first kiss, right? And everybody here write notes, I don't know about this generation but i'm from the generation in school we wrote notes in between periods come on help me somebody and you'd pass it in between periods so my wife i kept some my wife kept every note i wrote her through high school in a big box and we had kids and when they got old enough to read we burnt those notes (laughs) we didn't want them reading them notes but it's like all about our words i'm just telling you listen be excessive and be excessive in the words that you use over your kids The best three things, the best three things that you can tell your children is, I love you, you're handsome or beautiful, and you have a purpose. I love you, you're beautiful, you have a purpose. I love you, you're beautiful, and you have a purpose. Because I promise you, this world is saying you're ugly, you're insignificant, and you don't matter. And they need to have a resounding voice inside of the home. And when you build that relationship, listen to me, they don't really care about the rules, but if you can get them to care about you, it opens them up to the rules. So we got to develop relationships. Here's the next thing we got to do. We got to implement boundaries. We got to implement boundaries. Remember I told you that, that God is, he's the best example of a father. Remember when he made Adam And he made Eve one of the very first things that God the Father did after he created Adam. You know what he did? He created boundaries. He said, hey, you can eat of all the trees in the garden, but he built a fence. He said, you can't eat here. And part of our job as parents, again, is, right, we got to have, just like our father had, not just for Adam, but he had for the children of Israel. He said, I'm going to give you regulations. I'm going to give you rules. I'm going to give you commands we got to make sure that we are giving clear expectations to our kids. Clear expectations. I have found that, as I look back over my years of parenting, that where I have dropped the ball, it's hard to say the most because I've dropped the ball quite a bit. Help me somebody. Uh, But probably in disciplining my kids for something they didn't do that in hindsight I wasn't really clear about. Like I thought I was clear but really I just thought they were mind readers. And we need to make sure that we're giving our kids very clear expectations. Like when you say clean the room, what do you mean? Because a clean room to me and a clean room to you may not be the same thing. What do you mean clean your room? Right? Like to some of you, you're like a drill sergeant. Like you got the white glove test and you're flipping quarters on the blanket. Does it bounce? And some of you, a clean room is my God, you can't see the floor. So what what do you mean by a clean room? Clear expectations, clear expectations. We need to make sure that we are giving them boundaries. There was a study done by uh, Dr. James Dobson. Dr. James Dobson, he's a Christian psychologist, been around for a long time. Uh, Actually heard this a number of years ago, but what they did was they took a a, a local elementary school that had a playground with a fence around it and they watched these kids run out on the playground, right? It was recess, whistle would blow, these kids would run out. And what they found was the kids were all over the playground. They were up hanging on the fence, And they asked themselves this question, what would happen if we removed the boundary? What would happen if we took the fence away? And like, right, their hypothesis was that if there's no boundary, they're just gonna keep going. They're gonna run into the road. Here's what they found. And once they found this out, they repeated this experiment at school after school, They removed the fence, and here's what they found. The kids no longer pushed the boundary or exceeded the boundary. They all huddled safely in the middle. They were afraid to move out, and here's what they discovered. Kids want boundaries because boundaries create a safe feeling. I know that I can go here, and it's unsafe to go any further. So we owe it to our kids. We owe it to our kids to set limitations, to set boundaries, to give clear expectations. That's our goal. That's our call. And here's the big one. This is where it gets a little bit tougher. We got to confront disobedience. (laughs) We got to confront disobedience. That means that when we give in clear expectations and our kids don't meet the clear expectations, there has to be some kind of response. There has to be a consistent and clear response to when they don't obey the clear expectations. Now, I'm, I can't, I'm not I'm going to be very careful here because I don't want to tell you guys how you personally discipline their kids. But I'm just telling you, some of your kids can use a beating. I'm just saying that. I'm just telling you. There are, there are some times and there are some ways to discipline children. I am a fan because the Scripture is a fan because God is a fan of discipline in the context of corporal punishment. Now, let me just ask a question. Y'all just help me here. How many people here got corporal punishment when you was a kid? Which means... You got to be, oh, praise the Lord. You didn't get a beating, you got a beating, right? Got a beating. Now, <clears throat> listen to me. There is, a, there is a proper way to administer corporal discipline. Now, if you're not for it, that's fine. And I get it. We live in a, a crazy culture right now that if you like use corporal punishment on your kid, like you could go to jail. There's crazy stuff happening. When my, when my older brother, one day he was in school, I remember this as a kid, he came home one day and he had a card that they had handed out that day that if you're facing physical abuse or violence at home, you could call this number and like someone would come help you. And so I remember him coming home telling my parents like, you can't beat me anymore because I got this car with a phone number on it. My dad's like, you better have a coroner on that card and an ambulance because that's what you're going to need if you ever call that number. <laughs> so listen, listen, remember what, I, remember what I told you, ages one to five, that's discipline. You do you do what you want. I'm not here to tell you how to do it in your house, but I'm just telling you corporal punishment is effective if you do it without anger. Right? If you beat your kid in anger, that's not discipline. That's you getting your frustration out. Totally different thing. If you do it in a way that's moderate, because your brain starts getting wired, right? Pain, right? If I get this response, I get pain. If I get this response, I get pain. So I want to avoid pain, so I'm not going to have this response. However, once your kid gets around six, seven, eight, especially corporal punishment doesn't work anymore because you got to beat them harder to send the message of pain. And by then I'm just telling you, it's not effective. So you got to find some other way to discipline your kid because every good father disciplines their kid. Our heavenly father disciplines us. And if we're going to be good parents, we got to confront disobedience. Remember what God told Adam, listen, Hey Adam, here's the boundaries. But if you go outside of the boundaries, consequences. Everybody shout consequences. There's consequences. God told the children of Israel, hey, here are the boundaries. Here are the commands. Here are the regulations. If you do these, you're going to live a long, great life. But if you go outside, consequences. Everybody shout consequences. In the New Testament, as followers of Jesus, we have grace. He's our heavenly father, but you know he set boundaries for us. Galatians chapter 5 tells us, that if you get outside of those boundaries, whatever you reap, you're also going to, whatever you sow, you're also going to reap. There are consequences. So here's what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs. Watch this. Read it with me. For the Lord, come on, read it. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as the father corrects a child in whom he delights. I'm just telling you, if your kid has never hated you, you're not parenting Right. Listen, I can remember lots of times where I got disciplined and I was up in my room and I hate you and I'm running away. I can't stand any of you anymore. And I hated them. And in hindsight, my parents were genius. Like they disciplined with a purpose. They disciplined right. They knew what they were doing. I'm telling you, if if your kids have never hated you, I'm just telling you, you ain't disciplining right. Because they don't like they don't like being told no. Nobody does. Listen to me. Nobody likes rules, but rules is what makes culture happen. Nobody, listen, our, our society needs rules. I don't like speed limits. Sometimes don't follow speed limits. Like, I wish I goes, I, like, I wish, anybody here wish every road was the Autobahn? Like, just move. Like, just, you can't, right? Like, there would be, there would be wrecks. People would be dying. It would be chaos. So there are rules. In your workplace, I promise you, there are rules you don't like in your workplace. But in order for your workplace to function, there has to be rules. Inside the context of family, in order for the family unit to be whole, kids don't like rules, but they need rules the same way you need rules in the rest of society. And so we got to make sure that we're doing the hard work to implement clear boundaries with clear expectations and when kids don't follow those expectations, when they go outside of the boundaries, that there are clear consequences. And it's got to be consistent. Everybody say consistent. Like, it means you got to stick with it. Like, anybody here ever done this before? Your kid does something and you're so frustrated, you're like, that's it, you're grounded for a month. And like three days into it, they're driving you crazy. And you're like, you know what? Just get out of my face. And you unground them after three days. Worst thing you can do. Cause you just told them there's consequences, but you're probably not going to keep many ways, which means you're teaching them that your rules don't really matter. What reinforces your rules, what reinforces the boundaries is that there are clear and consistent consequences. So that means before you dole out any kind of punishment, everybody do it. Take a deep breath and really think through your punishment. The punishment should fit the crime. Like if he left the dish in the sink dirty, like that's probably not a beating. That's probably not a week's grounding. You do what you want, but let the, let the crime fit the time. Make sure you stick with it, which if you tell them a month, it's a month. If you tell them a week, it's a week. Um, I know it's tough. Counting. Counting is the worst. I hate, I can't stand, I see it all the time, parents in Walmart counting. I'm a, you, better, you better put that down or I'm coming down there in five. Don't make me count. One, Two, three, four. All right, I'm counting again. And this time, for real, I'm coming. And the only thing most of you who count has ever done is that you've demonstrated that you've watched the count on Sesame Street. One, two, you know. The worst thing you can do is count unless, if if that's your method for communicating consequences when they violate boundaries, then stick with it, which means if you tell them, if you don't put that down in five seconds, which I'm just telling you you've given them five seconds of disobedience in my book to me it's put it down now but if you want to give them five seconds but if you say, if you don't put it down in five seconds, I'm coming down there I'm just telling you, if that thing is still in their hand at count number five, you do them a disservice by not going down there and doing exactly what you said you would do. Go ahead, Pastor Steve go ahead and preach that you know, like I was raised in the generation where my dad said repeatedly, you don't want to make me come back there when he's driving down the right road. Ooh, I just heard this the other day. Baby, you might remember this. I can't remember. I just heard this somewhere recently that the number one injury that women suffer to the rotator cuff. This is true. Were you with me? Where was that at? Where? At our gym. We're, we're working out. The number one reason women injure their arm is re- reaching back to beat their kids. Like, yeah. But, but here's the thing, watch, is you just got to be consistent. You got to find, you got to set clear expectations, clear boundaries. And when they violate those boundaries, you got to deal with that rebellion with, 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 clear, with a clear response and with consistency. If you're going to count, make sure you do what you say. Like when my dad said I'm coming up there, I'm just telling you, my dad came up there. We knew it was going to happen if we kept pushing and that's how you teach your kids. You're, listen, I hear, hear some of you guys, but, you know, if, if, if I do this, my kid's not going to like me. Do not confuse friendship with relationship. It's not the same thing. Your goal is not to be your kid's buddy. Your goal is to be their parent. And that's a very challenging thing in this generation because we want our kids to like us. And if you do parenting right, they will like you eventually. The goal is not to get them to like you. The goal, your job is to pass the baton, which means you can give them clear expectations and you can even discipline them if you have relationship. Here's number four. Here's the last thing real quick. Number four, here's the last thing every parent needs is to seek God. Everybody say seek God. When I say seek God, I mean we need to seek God for our kids and we need to seek God with our kids. The best thing, everybody hear me? If you've not heard any other thing I told you, every parent pull right in here. The best thing that you can do for your kids is love God. The best thing that you can do for your kid is love God. We have this funny thing that we do in the American church where we compartmentalize our our faith. We compartmentalize our Christianity, right? So we have our finances and we have our relationships and we have our jobs and then we have our Christianity. And I'm just telling you, it shouldn't be that way. Because our faith, our values, our what we believe, should be the umbrella over everything. That we should be Christian people when it comes to money, and we should be Christian people on the job, and we should be Christian people in our relationships, and we should be Christian parents. And so the Bible says, if you'll seek God first, you'll seek Him first, and His righteousness and all the other things will be added to you. So we need to seek God for our kids. I cannot encourage every parent in this room, this is one of the best practices you can have for your kid, that's a seek God for your kid. You need to be praying and I need to be praying for my kid's future. We need to be praying about the friends they're hanging around. We need to be praying about their education and how well they're doing. We need to be praying for their future spouse. We need to be praying for their personal battle. We need to be praying that they come to Christ. We need to be praying if they've come to Christ, that they stay consistent in their walk with Christ. Pray for your kid and seek God with them. There should be some element, we've talked about this already, some element of spirituality in your home. Some place where God is evident, where God is, is a component in your life. And I'm just telling you, listen to me. Your kid should be in church with you. I hear parents, I'm telling you, all the time, like all the time, like he, didn't wanna, he don't want to come to church, and I don't want to make him because. He'll just rebel and he won't love God. He's already rebelling. Like make him come. Well, if he comes, he won't like me. If you're doing it right, they won't like you. That means you're doing it right. Well, if they come, they're just gonna get mad and fall asleep. As your pastor, listen to me. I'd rather your kid come here and fall asleep here than stay at home and be asleep. Like I'm just believing God. Some osmosis will get in them. Be the parent. Set the boundaries. Stop letting your kid be the CEO of the house. You're the CEO. You're the boss. And so share Christ. And when you've done all that you can do, this is the last piece of information. When you've done all that you can do, you've prayed, you've built relationship, you've set boundaries, you've enforced those boundaries. When you've done all you can do, hopefully you set aside enough money for therapy later on. Amen. So, I know that's a lot of information and for some of you that's not near enough, but I promise you, if you'll take those simple principles and start putting it in place. Don't wait for your kid. The goal, the goal of, uh, of punishment, the goal of boundaries, the goal, listen, is not obedience, it's relationship. Right? Remember we talked about the roles. It's the, it's the kid's role to be obedient. It's your role to be a parent. If you're trying to get them to be obedient, that's not your goal. Your goal is to teach them. So I'm going to pray for you. How many people here say, Pastor Steve, I need a little bit of help parenting? Wave at me. I'm going to pray for you that God's going to help you in the weeks to come to start putting this stuff into place. Father, Lord, I pray for every parent in this room, God, every grandparent, because God, we all have the incredibly difficult and important role of pastoring our kids, of parenting our children. And Lord, it drives us crazy. And Lord, at times it's discouraging. At times it's overwhelming. God, at times it's emotionally exhausting. But God, there is no higher call. Than to make sure that we raise our children, to pass the baton to the next generation, and to raise them to be successful adults. So, Lord, I pray, God, help parents here, especially parents that are in difficult relationships with their kids. Help them to develop those relationships. God, help us, Father, where we have maybe compromised and backed off, we've been afraid of being a bad parent. God, help us to establish clear boundaries. And, Lord, where our kids are not honoring us, where they're not doing what we've expected. God, help us do the hard work of consistent, clear discipline. And Lord, most of all, and this is what we do right here, Father, we seek you and we ask you, God, to help us be the parents we need. We pray for our children, that God, you would get a hold of each and every one of their hearts, that God, you would get a hold of each and every one of their minds, and God, that you would draw them closer to you. That Father, together as a family, we would honor the Lord and would be the people that you've called us to be. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen.